Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Which Kelly are you? Edward. People call me Ned. I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Mad Max 2. It's my kind of movie. Shut up! Shut up! Your friend can't come back, Sledge. Oh, he's disabled. I'm this carer. You're blind. He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip-hop anymore. G'day everybody and welcome to The Curb. My name is Andrew Pearce and this is the podcast that takes a look at Australian films and the filmmakers who make them. This podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and a pay respects to the elders both past, present and emerging. On this particular episode, I catch up with WA filmmaker Levon J. Polinelli and talk about his film, Everybody Gets Stabbed, a film that was almost lost to time but uh, through the magic of the internet was found and is now making its uh, featured debut at the WA Made Film Festival this coming Saturday the 13th of March at 10.30 in the morning at Palace Cinemas Rain Square in Perth. I'll stick some links in the show notes to check it out. This is a long discussion and um, look, apologies for the uh, the background noise and stuff like that. It was a pretty hot, uh, humid night that we were recording. Uh, so yes, there is sound of the air conditioner is in the background, but I think that this discussion is quite interesting and really valuable for indie filmmakers out there as well. There is a lot that you can learn from Levon. He has done a lot of uh, uh, low-budget projects and uh, worked in the arts field uh, quite a bit. And I think there's a lot here to gain and learn from this particular discussion. I do apologize as well for the choking dog that appears uh, about the five minute mark of this particular discussion. He is perfectly fine. He just does that sometimes. Okay, enough from me. Here's the trailer for Everybody Gets Stabbed. And then there's the interview with Levon. so obvious that I did a murder that that I can't have been the one to do it, right? The plan is racist. What the fuck are no. you talking? No, 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 this is not, this is not a race thing. Yeah, Black Lives Matter, idiot. Yeah. them something when it doesn't and 
they decide the best way to go about getting what they want is to start murdering their friends. Sure. And That's logical. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, I kind of... What, one of the things I do a lot with in comedy is look at before a thing was a thing. Like, so before this idea was an idea, what happened? And also looking at things from a different point of view. Um, and I, I, I re-watched Scream, mm-hmm. um, which amazingly holds up very well, except for the plot point where the police suspect Skeet Ulrich of being the murderer because it's a teenager with a mobile phone. (laughs) (laughs) Everything else is fine, except that bit. You're going, that's okay. Yep, sure. Um, And I just thought, like, what is this movie from the point of view of the killers? Like, and I just... That just seemed really funny. Yeah. Like, the idea of, you know, you, you see, like, the guy pop out of the cupboard or whatever, and you go, I want to see the 40 minutes he's been waiting. Yeah, how long has he been waiting? <laughs> What's he been doing in there? Did like, he bring snacks? Is it hot? <laughs> and then she's stuck in traffic, and you're like, she's meant to be home. And, like, <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought that was really funny. Um, and... Yeah, and it was around the time that Me Too was hitting, and I thought these these two these two things go together. Um, you know, just the, the the male entitlement side of things, and just all these horrific stories coming out. Um, and I thought, you know, the idea of two guys killing, starting to kill their friends. Um, fits it just works really well and um yeah so i i approached um uh daniel buckle and nick pages oliver who i'd worked with on a pilot of theirs that i directed um and uh the natural extension of that was these guys should be serial killers (laughs) (laughs) and and i'm sure they were really honored to yeah that you saw that within them yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah and so I kind of came up with a story, um, we wrote, kind of wrote a lot of the scenes together, um, although what the original plan had been to shoot it kind of uh, improvised, right. so a really structured script but just letting that room to improvise dialogue, but some of the actors weren't comfortable with that, um, so I'd be... I'd literally write scenes the night before we shot them. (laughs) But, you know, it was easy because I knew what had to happen. I knew what everyone sounded like. So did you set out a structure for yourself then beforehand? Yeah. So that you had that kind of freedom? Yeah, yeah. We we knew everything that had to happen in the movie um, and where it would all end up and everything. Um, So it was really just adding dialogue. Uh, But, yeah, and we shot it over about a three month period with maybe about two weeks all up stretched Mm -hmm. out over that period and that was actually kind of good because uh, things would happen or you wouldn't be able to get a certain location and and or an actor couldn't make it to one day 
you'd have to come up with solutions and yeah. ways to change that and um, yeah so many scenes um, well it's, a, it's micro budget filmmaking isn't yeah. it yeah it's and, like and it, it's the challenge of you have this idea of what you want to do and then it's like how do I do oh, it <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and I, I love I love um, that's what I really kind of thrive in is that forced creativity when you've got you know, like, I remember our last day of filming was this person has to go by 11, this person has to leave by 1, this person's out by 2. And is that 2 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon? Oh, in the afternoon. Yeah. And so you're just kind of going, okay, well, then we're doing this first and then you can go and then... And just forced creativity is really just the term for it, like, where... Um, and some things just come out amazingly well because of it. Like I, th there's a, a character who couldn't be at one scene and I threw in a line of dialogue to explain that she's trying to solve the murders herself. And she, you know, she's got like the boards with the red string on it. And then I just threw that in as a, as a throwaway line. And, and then it kind of came to a scene with her and one of the main characters and I thought, well, let's not do this in a cafe. Let's do this in her room where she's got all the boards <laughs> up. All the Pepe Sylvia yeah. stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, because, you know, and I thought, yeah, because this character, if this was a normal movie, she would be the main character trying to solve this yeah. thing. Yeah. But she's not yeah. <laughs> in this one. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun and um, just, just building all the. Uh, gags and effect stuff myself and uh well because you so for people who don't know mm. you, you've got quite a creative history and you know the yeah theater and all this kind of stuff so there is that that grounding of having built all this kind of stuff yeah done all this uh, handmade kind of stuff yeah. yeah uh i mean yeah i mean a lot of it just comes from when i was a kid i was on my own most of the time and you know, um, I was more interested in the box the toy came in than, yep. the, um, you know, if someone bought a fridge, that was amazing. Got a giant <laughs> box. <and I> <laughs> that fits a whole person. Yeah, I can do a lot with this. Um, so, yeah, like, I've always been kind of pretty much art directing most of my stuff throughout the years. Um, you know, and so much of it is just, yeah, 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 this will make sense when you do It'll make sense when you see it. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> really useful on this because you know had blood, vomit, jizz, um, intestines. <laughs> so do you, was there a point where you went? Have I bitten off too much? Have I done too much? Or was it kind of like I've started now? I can't go back. Not really. Um, because yeah. the only reason I ask is just that I know that, like I've talked to a lot of micro-budget filmmakers, mm. and they're usually indie dramas with people talking, Talk, and that's yeah. it. And it's been a long time since we've had. I mean, the Spirit Brothers did, and and uh. um, you know the Roche Brothers, mm. the Roche Turner Brothers did it, Wormwood, yeah, and then Spirits with Undead, and it's just kind of like you'd think that we would be a country that would look at Peter Jackson's work and go. Oh, shit, we can do that. Yeah, or, I mean, um, 
Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prime example of. Yep. I don't think they had permits for any of that. Oh, they did. <laughs> <laughs> they say they did. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> mm. but yeah, I, I think. I mean, you know, the 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 the, the, the one thing I remember. Uh, uh, there was a, a kind of filmmaking guru guru by the name of Dov Simmons, um, and he said, you know put a bunch of kids in a house and chop them up. Like, if you can do that well and interesting, then you're solid. Like, and I've always kind of remembered that. Yeah. Like, um, because it is such a formula we've seen so many times. So if you can actually do something interesting with that, you get Cabin in the Woods or you know, the first Evil Dead and, and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I kind of just approached it with, what, what's going to make... What am I going to enjoy? Yeah. Um, you know, because it is going to be hard and I'm going to hate everyone <laughs> like trying to wrangle schedules and, um, you know, this person can only do this and that and, you know, all the things that happen with no-budget filmmaking and, um, you know, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was that kind of the main intention every day? Like, having all that stress... But at the end of it, it's, it's got to be fun because that comes across on screen. If and if it's not yeah. there, then it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it does come across because there's just so much ridiculousness in it. But uh, it was always fun. Um, you know, we were. Yeah, we did some weird stuff in Murdoch's Nexus Theater. <laughs> like, um, yeah, and just, you know, we're, we're always kind of looking for, like, keeping true to the characters and the story, but also how can we make this silly and fun, but also kind of believable? Yeah. Um, so let's go back as well. When did you start filming and Or wait, let's start with when did you start writing it too? Because um, I want to get an idea of how long this all took, because I think that a lot of people still have a misguided idea of, like, I have an idea now. Mm. I'm going to have a movie by Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it would have been, we start, I think we started r properly writing it around September 2018. And then we started shooting in no October, right before Halloween, because we bought Pumpkin. The first day of filming. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the opening credit sequence is them practicing stabbing on pumpkins. Right. Uh, <laughs> Which is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, it was maybe like the idea definitely came about earlier on because I just finished a play called The Edge was running about May, June uh, 2018 at the Blue Room and then a few of the cast from that I pulled into this um, so yeah, the idea was kind of bubbling away around June um, but I think we properly started putting it all together around September and then started shooting in October and finished up right around New Year's 
Yeah, I think from memory because I went to Falls Festival mm. down in Fremantle, and I remember that you were going to be doing some pickup shots or something like that of people just getting massacred. Yeah, we did a few of those during Fringe in 2019. Is there were more people around. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I only remember because I was like, oh, I'd love to go to that, but I'm yeah. going down, a, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It didn't happen, but <laughs> nonetheless, that, yeah. it stuck in my mind. I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that was, um, yeah, I did those. They were meant to be quite remote out in the bush, but I did them at one of my favorite secret little filming spots. Uh, you know, on the, the freeway where there's that weird, just before Manning, there's that weird single lane bridge that yeah. goes over. Yep. In there, it's I've shot almost something from everything I've done. In there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It looks so remote, um, and parts of it look bush. Parts of it look like a swamp, and you are right near Apple Cross. You're right in the center of Perth, yeah. basically. And it looks yep. like you've gone miles out of the city it's fantastic that's pretty good mm. yeah. yeah yeah now that your secret's out yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right so you do all the filming and stuff mm. what what next what happens after that um i started cutting it while we were shooting which was good because started to get a sense of oh i should maybe i need this or maybe you know um and especially because we were still changing scenes as they were you know being shot it was good to kind of see it as it was at that point um can i ask sorry to interrupt but what gave you the idea to do that uh it was more just um, just because you're under so much pressure and trying to get this film yeah yeah wrangling people that i know practically why you would do it but i'm just curious what yeah, your decision was it's yeah. pretty much the practical nature of it like you know it wasn't the kind of movie where you could go, we're just going to hire a house for two weeks and we'll all stay there and do something there. This was many different locations and, and so many moving parts. So it kind of needed to be when you could wrangle everyone and when the planets kind of aligned with everyone's schedules. Um, which, you know, you kind of know going into it, but sometimes it does get frustrating because you're just like, I just need this one person to be free. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And um, so, yeah, after, after shooting it, like, the next step was kind of, um, I spoke to Ash Gibson, Greg, who I work with a lot as a composer and he was super flat out, but um, he'd, recently become addicted to synthesizers right and, <laughs> and curious addiction but yes and expensive yeah. very expensive addiction <laughs> i think uh, heroin would have been cheaper yeah. but um yeah so he had he was i think he was doing like a feature a, a doco series and a tv series all at the same time um but he was taking breaks to just play around with his synthesizers. And I said, why don't you just record those and give them to me? I'll use them as temp music. And um, so, yeah, that's what he started doing. Um, 
I said, that way we can justify it to your wife as to why you... <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, so occasionally I'd nudge him in certain ways, say, I need kind of a chasey thing, I need kind of a suspense bit, you know. Um, but he said he didn't want to see a frame of the film until it was finished. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Just as a challenge for a composer... To, to compose music for a film without ever seeing it and um, yeah we got uh, sent me I'm, I'm, we're going to do a soundtrack release at some point because cool. um, he's never had one he's always wanted one and I just kind of went well, why don't we screw it why don't we just do it because um, yeah all in all I've got about 54 tracks totaling about Three and a half hours. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like. And how long's the film? That it's like ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. all of it's in there, and um, you know, Ash kind of said to me, "Well, you can add music editor to your list." I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Um, <laughs> really stacking out that IMDb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm always hesitant about having just the multiple credits come up with the same name, but. Uh, well, you, did, you did the work, <laughs> yeah. so therefore, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, um, and it's a, it's the reality of micro budget filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, days there were there were days on it. I was the sole crew. Yeah. I was shooting it, lighting it, doing sound and art direction, and um, I had my uh, good a good friend of mine, Sergio, uh, who's a cinematographer. He I was kind of like, I need you for these moments. It's like, no, I can't do them. Um, and yeah, so he was, you know, so I was very selective as to when, you know. Not to put too much pressure on yeah, him. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that the, the biggest, um, the biggest expense we had on the film was um, hiring an Airbnb for a weekend. <laughs> To film the to shoot the end of it, and uh, that yeah that was the biggest cost, and we literally just stayed in this house for the weekend. And so, how did you decide the house? Or was it just looking around? Or um, it was looking around. Like it was it was a little frustrating because we had one lined up, and then the owners were weird. Like the, there were all these weird talks. Oh, we've got fire inspection happening. And you're, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I just go, ah, let's just find somewhere else. This is, this is going to be, you know, you just sense the nightmare coming. Yep. Um, Yeah, just found a house that looked kind of secluded, even though it was in Mosman Park. Um, You know, the the hippie Fremantle end of Mosman Park. (laughs) Um, But it looked really secluded and it looked like it was in the middle of nowhere, which what we wanted and um yeah yeah airbnb it's great (laughs) (laughs) wonderful wonderful so you've got it edited you've got a score Mm. you've essentially got a film yeah um yeah and i was kind of in the process of working out um like the one thing i don't know how to do is sound mixing um yeah like it's, it's, that terrifies me too. Yeah, it's it's just a thing like where uh, 
I'll, I'll talk to friends like Thomas Ford or, or you know musicians, and they talk about all these like, oh, the mid range is this and this, and I'm going, I what? <laughs> like whenever I did tech for shows like comedy shows or whatever I, I just basically went well that sounds good I don't know what I did but it sounds good um, <laughs> let's just keep it with that take yep. a photo of the board and that'll do <laughs> yeah that's good um, yeah so I was kind of trying to work out what to do with sound mixing it and um, yeah and at the time I directed a magic show um, uh, a magician friend of mine, Pierre, had asked me to direct a show, and I kind of said to him, you know, what's, what don't you like about magic shows? And he said, I hate the talking. I said, well, then let's not talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we crafted this, um, a, a silent, a dialogue-free narrative magic show about a man going into the office on the weekend um, instead of being home with his family and, and magic happens um, it was a lot of fun and yeah. uh, I, I right after that, right before lockdown hit um, I helped direct his uh, act for Penn and Teller's Foolless right. which he didn't fool them which is a shame but it was still pretty cool to go yeah I helped that. <laughs> I at, helped least, at least they've seen it. Yeah. 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 Um, That's exciting. Yeah. And so I was racing in to film the last night of his show. Um, and I had kind of, I parked at the, the Alexander Library parking lot. And rather than like carry cameras and all, you know, like my bags to stay at my girlfriend's that weekend I was like look I'm only going to be gone like an hour this is a secure parking lot's fine go off film the show come back and bags are gone out of the car like yeah I uh it's yeah. pretty devastating I yeah. remember reading about it and just going fuck I've been yeah. following this the work of this film for a while and I'm excited for it and yeah it was um I just can't imagine what that would have felt like yeah it was just devastating and you know to kind of make it worse like a day after um our cat Maddie got rushed to the hospital with she was going into liver failure like she just stopped eating um cause it would have been November before that um my girlfriend got home and this kitten just walked in with her. Yeah. And so we are kind of like, well, let's feed it and keep it in a separate room. But I think it just put too much stress on our cat and she went off her food. And so um, it was kind of good in a way having, getting Maddie better yep. to focus on. Yeah. Um, still not great <laughs> yeah 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 definitely uh, but you know it's it's actually kind of funny because um, she, she's always been a very skitty cat like I think in the five years well six years now that I've, we've had her I've picked her up maybe five times right um, 
and that's partly why I chose her at the the um, the foster house. So I just kind of felt no one's going to take you because they can't see you. You know, like no, we're gonna yeah, and like yeah, in the year since then, she she's completely changed. She uh, comes in while I'm working, sits by me to get padded and um, yeah, she's completely, I mean, she's still a little skitty, but the change in her is amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. You had, at, you had at least something to focus and put your energy into. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, again, I, I can't imagine what that would have been like, but I won't get you to go through all those emotions <laughs> because this is not that kind of discussion, yeah. but it's like, and I don't want to make you revisit all of them, but, uh, you know, at what point did you discover that you kind of had uh, a workable something? Yeah, well, I, you know, the day after I'd gone back to my house to just check hard drive, see if I had anything on there, and, and I, I didn't, and, um, and then, yeah, and I was just kind of going through and... Um, seeing what I had on YouTube and Vimeo and stuff and, and found a cut I'd uploaded maybe three or four weeks before. Um, so I managed to download that, but then it was kind of like, well, what? I can't really do anything with the sound because this has just taken all these separate tracks and smushed them into two stereo tracks. So it's like, that's it. Um, but I found this, and of course, you know, you've got all the, the compression artifacts that, mm. you know, YouTube and Vimeo do that you just can't do anything about. But I, I found this, um, I found this software. It was a trial version, but it still hasn't asked me for money <laughs> or, or, or put, um, <laughs> watermarks on anything but it, it uses an uh, an AI to upscale footage right um, yeah so I, I thought let's just give it a test and yeah I thought okay basically if I put the whole movie in it would take like 18 days to do so I was like let's just chop it up into bits and feed it through slowly <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and it converted it to, to 4K resolution. Nice. <laughs> um, nice. I mean, all the little artifacts and stuff are still there, but yeah. I was kind of like, wow, I've actually got this. Um, so, yeah, and I was still kind of like, yeah, but what do I do with this? It's this kind of finished <laughs> thing, and, you know, I... I it's, it's funny, like, I completely understand why George Lucas w keeps wanting to fix Star Wars. Um, <laughs> because, you know, if I had ILM at my... Well, you could sit there and tinker with it all day yeah, long. Yeah, you could just be yeah. like, here, make this look better. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and so we were... Yeah, I was just kind of left with this not sure what to do with the thing. And then... Um, I wanted to have a screening to just kind of put a button on the whole thing. To move on. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
I, I spoke to Ash and I said, look, do you know any sound people? Obviously, you know, no sound people. But I said, you know, do you know anyone who can... Because I managed to clean up some of the audio because there's some... There's a great website that you can upload bits of audio and it'll eliminate noise from it and, mm. and do that kind of thing. And um, so I managed to clean it up to a degree. And I said, you know, can, do you know anyone who can just look at it and tell me, is this as good as it's going to get or what? Um, so, yeah, he sent it to uh, Rick Curtin, who's a local sound engineer, uh, sound mixer, who is um, kind of one of the legends of the film industry here. And, uh, yeah, I must have got Rick at the right time because he was in between projects and he had nothing on. And, and um, he somehow got a 5.1 mix out of this. <laughs> well, that's what they do. That's what, like, I've got no idea. Like, and it's, I mean... You know, side tangent for a second, but mm. it's like this year of the Academy Awards is the first year where they've gone, fuck it, you know, sound mixing and sound editing, we're just going to put it into the one award because we don't know the difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but they do, you know, yeah. they do. And, yeah. and I, yeah, I can imagine every sound editor and mixer is screaming at that decision because yep. they are two completely different <laughs> They are completely different, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, God. Um, so you got a 5.1 out of it. That's really yeah, good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then, then kind of out of nowhere, um, uh, you know, the WMA festival got in touch because um, I'd submitted it the year before um, and didn't get through. But then, yeah, they got in touch and were kind of like... Well, I know, I know inside <laughs> football, like mm. uh, I had... Uh, I mean, I know Matt very well, mm. good friends with him, and he had said to me, he's like, do you know what's going on with this movie? And I'm like, <laughs> no, but you should just get in touch with, you know, <laughs> just, just, just talk. <laughs> he's like, because I saw it, you know, when it was submitted and I really liked it, it just needed a little bit of work done. And mm. I was like, yeah, that's good. Well, some encouragement is good, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm really oh, glad cool. that yeah. that's the case because uh, it's, you know, the more, the more indie filmmakers and things mm. like that working, the better. And I know yeah. that the whole intention is to have a film at the end of it, and here we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird thinking there's gonna be that screening. Uh, <laughs> it's it's. But is it weird in the sense that I know that you're a person who wears many hats. You're you're a very creative person. But is it weird also in the sense that now you can say. I'm a feature film director. A little. I think it's... it's also do, do, do you think about that at all? Is no, that something that jump, jump into your no mind? Not really. Um, but... Because uh, it's just always what I've wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so it's like, well... It, it's almost an inevitability that there would be a movie at some point. <laughs> and hopefully more. Um, but yeah, it's, it's more just... What are people going to make of this fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs> but you can't think of that. Like, uh, yeah. I, I say that as a critic, and it's like, that's my job to sit there and go, what are people going to think of this mm. thing? But I've never made a film in my life. Mm. Um, and I've always, when I've always talked to filmmakers, and I've always thought and felt that it's like, 
you make what you want to make mm. and the audience will come to it. They, yeah, will, they yeah. will be there. And I mean, like I'm not wearing this just because, you know, <laughs> I talk about it all the time, but I'm wearing a Mac and me shirt. Yeah. And it's like the audience is there for that yeah. fucking weird film. And there will be an audience for your yeah. film. Yeah. Like I, you know, I, um, I take heart in, you know, my friend Thomas Ford uh, saw it and, you know, he, he said himself, he was like, oh, okay, I'm kind of expecting, you know, Levon made a film, this is going to be, <laughs> it, it's going to be okay, but not expecting much. And he was quite surprised by, oh, this is actually good. <laughs> like, like, not in a demeaning way, but, oh, I like this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we all have that when someone's like, hey, can you just watch this thing? And you're like, sure. <laughs> but, yeah, so... It's good. Yeah, it's it's just an odd, unknown quotient at, at this you know point in time where you're just like... Has anybody watched it besides Close Friends? Um, no. <laughs> so this screening at WA Made is going to be like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, like, um, I sat down with Nick and Dan and we watched it, you know, um, a rough cut, uh, well, over a year ago now, but, you know, it, we had fun watching it, but I mean, you always kind of know the inherent bias of the people who made it are watching it, of course. But then again, you know, you read some things and, you know when things aren't working so even if you're in a good audience um yeah yeah like uh yeah i randomly came across the there's a great video about how star wars was saved in the edit and that the um first screening where george got all of his friends together and they all fucking hated it <laughs> <laughs> you go well at least i didn't have that so <laughs> yep mm. yeah and that happens, and and you know, given his friends, there would have been some brutal honesty there as well. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the thing: is that perseverance is there, mm. um, and you had an idea and you executed it, and that is a lot more than a lot of people can say. Yeah, you made a film. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of people always kind of go, "Oh, you need to start with short films," and I, my brain just doesn't think that way. Um, you know, that the stories I come up with are all 90 to 120 minutes. Yep. Like, I, I just, yeah, my brain just isn't wired to go, oh, here's a three and a half minute story. Um, Was so. there ever any inclination to do, like, a proof of concept or something like that? Not really. Um, pretty much because I'd, I'd come up with the idea knowing it could be made very cheaply and easily. Um, and, you know, I think one of my, the things I, I, I think is quite a benefit to me in that, because I have those many hats of producer, director, editor, yeah. and, and it means I can kind of write to a budget. Like, I, I, I know how much things cost, and because I'm going to direct it, I know how I'm going to do it, so that's the hard stuff done um and you know you can kind of go oh well i know this guy who owns this place i i can 
shoot there. He'll let me shoot there. So this scene can happen there. Mm. Um, yeah. So just thinking and just those three-dimensional chess kind of <laughs> filmmaking um, really helps. Like, I think if you are going to make a film for no money, you really need to know all those things. Yeah. Um, and I think also with this one, my biggest thing when I get brought in as like a script editor or, or to pick something up is I'm just really heavy on structure. Like, get the structure in place um, and it's how I write everything I, I just I just get the dot points of this happens this happens this happens this happens and then adding the dialogue is easy after that that's I mean it's the old Hitchcock kind yeah. of way of doing it but it works um, well that's the thing and, and I mean certainly we've both watched plenty of films and we know the good ones from the bad mm. ones and it's obvious what sticks out and structure yeah. is one of the things especially with Australian films where mm. unfortunately we do a lot of great stuff yeah uh, but scripts where it's let down so it's great to hear that you know you know that the foundation of a good mm. film is a good script well and I think I think part of what happens in Australia um, I think scripts tend to get overbaked rather yep. than underbaked um, and I think that's just part of while having state funding bodies is fantastic you know I, I remember going to Screen West once and the question was how many drafts of it have you written it's like who gives a shit like <laughs> <laughs> if, it's, if it's good now if I got it matters. right the first time I, yeah. it's, it's good but you know there's this almost obsession with oh, well, there's like eight drafts, so it must be good. And it's like, no, because you might have got it right on five. And then you've just kept polishing that, and now it's who knows what now. Yeah. And yeah, and I think that's one of the bigger problems we have in Australia. Um, and that was partly why I just wanted to write it and make it. Like... Was don't it, yeah, it. yeah. That's what I can say. Was there ever a desire to be like, I want to make an Australian film, or is it just I want to make a film? Yeah, I just wanted to make a movie, um, yeah. and it was not the first thing I thought I'd make. Um, but the idea came up, and the immediacy of it was there, and it was just let's just do it. Um, and I think also the other part of it is, you know you are going to have a thousand questions thrown at you and you're going to have to make you know a thousand snap decisions and you just have to trust that they're the right one <laughs> uh, and I mean that's that's the inherent fear on every day of just but I think if you've done your homework and you know what the film is and what it's trying to say you're going to make the right decision most of the time does having a low budget add a bit of a safety net in that regard where it's like this is not costing hundreds of thousands of dollars but yeah. on the same hand it's costing time so it's yeah you know it's yeah it's it, it, there's definitely a freedom an odd freedom to having no money because um you know you're, you're not having to worry about going into overtime and all these kind of things like obviously you want to be 
very respectful of everyone's time and not waste it. Um, but they're also coming in knowing, oh, this guy's going to kind of be doing everything, so it's going to take a little longer to, for some things to get set up. Um, but yeah, I think it, it definitely, there is a freedom of just, no one's standing over your shoulder. No one's, you know, timing how much time you've got to get this scene done. And if you go over, it's going to the completion guarantor and, and all this kind of mechanisms of mm. that come into play. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of freedom. Yeah. And you know, you can just go, you know what, screw it, let's try this. Let's try something. Um, and and you tried and you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, um, as, as silly as it sounds like, that's that's it. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it's also just, just surrounding yourself with that good team of people yeah. and, um, you know, um, Nick and Dan were great because they come from an improv background. So while I'd be setting stuff up, they, they kind of run lines and, you know, go over stuff with the other actors so like they weren't just sitting around they were getting everyone ready to go when I was ready to go and vice versa and um yeah and and I mean definitely having improvisers oh it's a huge yeah you know yeah. you can kind of just set the camera and keep yelling shit at them and but it's also knowing when to stop as well yeah. isn't it because you know, we've all seen the blooper reels for Will Ferrell's films and oh, stuff, and it's like... seen Ghostbusters 26. <laughs> hey, now, I like that film. <laughs> but yes, there is a lot yeah. of, there is a lot of, uh, you know, hey, just do this. Hey, just do that. Why don't you that. fall over as you go into the door, kind of? Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that, that film, yeah, total side note, that film, I think, could have been good. I just, I think the cast was good. I think the director was terrible. Well, there's, there is an interesting... I remember watching it when it first came out um, that was talking about... And I usually don't like these trailer breakdowns, mm. but there was a specific trailer breakdown that talked about how to edit comedy and mm. how the comedy and the trailer failed the film because yeah. they carried a beat on one or two beats too long. Yeah. Where it's like, I've laughed now and now you just... It's still there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I think the one scene that always sticks out is the um when when Leslie Jones drives up with the car and they're just standing there saying things and then she does the Oprah thing. You get a car and, and you're going, That's already a ten year old joke. Yep. Like <laughs> why why is this scene six minutes long? <laughs> like what, what what's happening yeah yeah whereas yeah if they had a solid script and just stuck to it that could have been actually good because i think they had a great cast oh that's a great cast yeah um yeah so where is it for you next like you've made a film mm. um you know obviously you're doing the the mac the computer yeah <laughs> yeah thing as well you've got normals normal place yeah um You've got a whole bunch of different stuff. So we're we going to get another micro-budget film, or is there going to be... Possibly. I've got... I know we talked about something off, off mm, mic, yeah. but don't need to go into that. But yeah, I'm just curious what you... Yeah, yeah. That, that one I'm going to try and get funding for, because it feels like it 
could get funding and you know and that's part of the other thing with this movie it was the kind of idea I just went there is no point in submitting this to funding agencies like they're they're just not going to go for this Um, because I've gone through that rigmarole for years um, and I know what they will and won't fund and it was just like don't waste that time don't waste two three years going after money you're never going to get for this film um so can you clarify that a bit more as well for for people in you know i guess over in other states mm. they probably go through the same kind of thing but here in wa we go to screen waste and we say here's an idea can you give me money yeah what do you think that screen waste wants as a you know when they is it from my perspective it's like they want something that shows up wa yeah like they're quite fond of stuff done regionally um i think also because you can partly fund films with the regional film funds can't remember what it's called now yeah um i think it's still (laughs) something like that yeah um you know so they definitely look at that um yeah, it's hard to say what exactly they want, but I think this thing that I'm working on feels like it ticks a lot of their boxes. Sure. Um, so that one, I'm kind of like, like they've got a funding round in Ma- that should be in May, and the timing of getting this thing written and going into that lines up. So it's like, why not? Um, and if not, I've got a few other options. Jersey, but um, but it's, it's just clear that it's not like genre fair like horror films or yeah they're definitely you know, sci-fi seem to be off the map for WA yeah. films yeah um, yeah and I'm not sure why um, because I know that South Australia I mean South Australia did I Am Mother um, they Wolf had, Creek well Wolf Creek as well and uh, 2067 which has just landed on Netflix mm. and that's like yeah not a very good film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> saying, cheese is like, yeah, okay, thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> you can come on through. Um, and but they're quite happy to support sci-fi stuff. And yeah, horror. It, it's it's funny because Screen West have this thing called West Coast Visions, and um, I put in for the first one back in two thousand and four with a giant shark movie. And I got shortlisted. <laughs> and um, one of the panelists was Rolf De Heer. And I thought, Rolf is going to fucking hate me. I've got a giant shark movie. And Rolf was the one who pushed me through. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He loves that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, my, my whole pitch was like, yes, you can give this to an art film or a, dra- a small drama kind of thing, but if you give it me the money you can use the money you get from it to make 10 of those um yeah and apparently yeah wolf creek was in that same round as yeah. well and got knocked back um which is crazy yeah know, it's crazy um and but they <laughs> chose last train to Frio. oh yeah mm. i quite like that film yeah it's 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 an odd film i think the the reveal at the end just feels like a Bond villain plot that 
makes no sense whatsoever. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it probably worked better in a play, but in a movie when everything's actually there, it's like, what? <laughs> 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 but, but so Jeremy Sims, mm. I know that he is really keen to continue telling WA stories. Mm. Obviously, he made Last Cat to Darwin, but after doing Rams, he's like, I just want to make WA stories yeah. now. Um, is that something that is on your mind as well? Or like, supporting, yeah. not so much telling WA stories, but supporting WA I th- talent? Yeah, I, that, that's one thing I've always kind of believed. Like, you know, I've always thought, you know, we, barring Arctic Tundra, we've kind of got almost every ecosystem yep. you could want um, and you know we, we've got amazing talent here and there's not a lot to keep them here and yes I, I've always thought you know um, like I never really wanted to leave but I always remember um, we're I, not I, pushing you out no. I <laughs> <laughs> um I, I got to know um, Brian Gardner, the Holden guy, really yeah. well. Um, he used to come to my mum's to get his hair cut. Uh, and he liked it because she didn't care who he was. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, and he was a lovely guy. And, um, you know, he always used to say, like, if you can make it in Perth, Perth is the hardest city to do anything in. Yeah. If you can do it in Perth, the rest of the world's easy. Um, yeah, and I was that always kind of stuck in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the other thing I'm working on is a um, it's an Emu War. Great! <laughs> Finally, somebody's doing it. Um, I can't believe we've gone a hundred and something years. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, because well, I realize like a lot of what I'm. You know, pretty much all of what I'm working on is, you know, while it's it's fantastic to see so many doors opening for diverse voices that mm. have never had a foot in the door, a lot of what I'm kind of working on is, as a, you know, straightish white male, how do I fit into this new world? You know, and I think that's a really interesting subject. Um... And I realized, like, looking at the emu war that, I mean, my take is a satire along the lines of Starship Troopers. Yep, that's Uh, it. (laughs) Exactly that. (laughs) But because the real story is kind of boring, if you actually lay it out. Um, And I realized this is, I mean, the, the subtitle for it, it's called Emu War a subtle exploration of the sheer caucasity of colonialism. <laughs> and I realised, like, that this, the Emu War is about hubris. It is yeah. colonial hubris, just perfectly encapsulated of going, well, we know how to treat this land, we're just going to plant wheat. And the land is just thoroughly rejecting yep. that. And you, you still see it today. Like, you go, we're not listening to, you know, indigenous knowledge garnered over 80,000 years of bushfire management. And, you know, we've still got this trying to, like, force Western 
systems. Let's, yeah, let's do a, a focus group and find out what we can do with this and all that kind of no, stuff. No, go talk to, go yeah. talk to some elders. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, and so I, I realised, yeah, so that's kind of my angle on the emu war. Is that like, sounds good. That's what it's going to be about, yeah. is, um, you know, just listening yep. to people who have been here longer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that somebody's finally doing it. Yeah, I mean that that one I don't. Uh, that well, one might be a no least, budget yeah. thing. Um, I really want to do a lot of it practically, um, like because I think I don't want CGI. I want you know. You want to have a I real emu Eight foot wanna... <laughs> tall nightmare murder birds kind of. No brains. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but and you know so I'm kind of writing it in a way that's. Okay, well, if I had money, I could do it. But also, if I don't have money, this is still doable. Yeah. Um, so kind of like Judas Collar, but with emus instead of camels and more comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> just an all-out bloodbath of yeah. giant, you know, 10-foot emus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm really excited for WA Made. Yeah, I'm excited. I'd I mean, I loved it last year. It was fantastic, and it's great to see, you know, yeah. a whole breadth of new films I, and stuff. I, I, d I did have a brief moment when I saw, like, the time we were on. It was like, wow, that's going to be weird. Because <laughs> like, it, it's like one thirty in the afternoon. No, it's isn't like it? 10 a.m. Oh, right, 10 a.m. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. all the features are, like, the first thing on in the day. Yeah. Um, so when I noticed the other feature was early I was like oh, okay that's it's not just me that's yeah. fine but yeah. Um, yeah I had that going oh god this is going to be a weird fucking thing to watch <laughs> <laughs> there are drinks there so you know yeah yep. yeah um, yeah yeah and then I've got to do a and a which will be again interesting <laughs> so. you'll do fine you'll do fine and yeah look having attended last year mm. the, the audiences are so receptive and oh, they just cool. love seeing WA films and so oh, cool we do like to support our own work here which is yeah, great to see that's yeah. good yeah yeah awesome all right well we'll wrap up yeah um hey it's been good yeah that was fun that is levon j polinelli and his film everybody gets stabbed which is screening on march 13th at 10-ish in the morning, head along, get some drinks, meet the people, the, uh, the filmmakers and stuff beforehand at Rain Square Palace Cinemas uh, in this part of WA Made Film Festival, which is an excellent film festival that you should all be checking out this coming weekend. Uh, as with my interview with Sam Lara and Kathy Henkel with their documentary Laura's Choice, which is also screening at WA Made, there's a bunch of other coverage coming this particular uh, week. Uh, as this week rolls on, we're going to be touching on a lot of different uh, films that are going to be screening there. And hopefully head along and support WA Films and WA Filmmakers, because it's an excellent festival and one which I absolutely love and adore. Uh, it's second year running and I really uh, hope that there's a lot of a uh, big turnout for everybody heading along. So yeah, WA Made Film Festival, head along, go and see that there, check out Everybody Gets Stabbed and there's another genre heavy film which is screening on the Sunday which is Tainted Getaway, which I know that Matthew Eels, who is the 
the co-runner uh, of the festival has said that it has a shootout in that particular film that he has no idea how they managed to do it in Perth and that alone is a reason to check that film out. Thanks for listening guys, I really hope that you enjoy what we uh, discuss about here and learn quite a bit as well. Um, yeah, make sure to head over to the website thecurb.com.au uh, for other interviews and uh, for reviews and all that kind of stuff uh, head over to Facebook and Twitter follow us on there and if you'd like to go the extra step then patreon.com forward slash the curb AU as little as one Australian dollar a month will help keep this site independent and going uh, thanks guys hopefully you're all staying well and safe and sound and I will see you on the next one bye Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Feeling lucky? Nemecolon's Lady Luck Casino is under new management and better than ever with 26 table games and an array of slot machines for you to test your luck. Try your luck at the table games, hit the slots for the day, or stay overnight to enjoy Nemecolon's luxury accommodations, fine dining, and all that the casino has to offer in one breathtaking mountain location. Visit Nemecolon.com for more information and to reserve your stay. Lady Luck is open to the public. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.